0: This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Good morning, River Church. So good to be here back with you today. I want to just remind you guys about this one more time. These are your uh, welcome guides, and if you if you don't grab these on your way in, make sure you do. There's a lot of great information in here. Number one, we've got that communication card, which is so important. It tells us, um, you can tell us what's going on in your life, what you need, how we can serve you, what we can do for you. There is this wonderful thing in here that tells you where all of our community groups are and how you can get in touch. We want you to be in a community group. Yeah, and they actually have them right here. If you need one, they'll pass them out to you. We've got our ushers, though. John, we got one right here. we got one right here. Look at that already skipping over you. Sorry. If you missed missed this, we want you to be involved in community groups. And then this thing right here is very important uh, to me, (laughs) maybe because I'm a little bit selfish, but this is where you can take sermon notes. And so, uh, you know, (laughs) I want you to get it right. So make sure you grab one of these things. There's a lot of great resources in there for you. And I'm just going to keep talking about it every week until um, we all do. So anyways, Glad to be here with you today as we continue in our series, "Who Is This Jesus?" Our series that was really again birthed out of our Daniel series, as 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 we looked at uh, the Assyrians and King Nebuchadnezzar asking all these questions about who is this God, who is this, and who who is he? And they're trying to reshape him in their own image. And then we begin to think about you know people when they met Jesus back two thousand years ago, they kept asking that question, "Who is this guy? Who is he?" And then even now today, there's so many people in our world who are asking that very same question, who is this Jesus? And the thing about it is that we have so many people asking the question, and we've got a lot of people answering the question, and a lot of people answering the question, what I would say probably aren't qualified and shouldn't be answering the question, right? And so what we want to do is we we just want to walk and look through the scriptures, look exactly not who everybody else says Jesus is, but who did Jesus say that he was, and, and that's what we're going to do. Last week we talked about the first claim, Jesus' claim as the Son of Man. The claim that he was the one who was prophesied, who would come and be given authority and dominion over all the all the earth, the one who would be sent on a messianic mission to Earth to save uh, to save God's chosen people, that he was sinless, that he could forgive sins, and all of those things that he claimed to be pointing to the fact that he was making the claim that I am God. As a matter of fact, they killed him for it. The first and foremost thing that Jesus claimed to be was God. And then we kind of ended with the, the simple question is, is this is who he said he was. Do you believe him? And then what do you do with that? And so that was, that was last week. Um, and last week we kind of went big picture with it. Jesus as God. He claimed to be God, creator of the universe. This week I'm going to just zoom in on one of the characteristics of, of Jesus and who he claimed to be. And and so this week as we kind of, kind of look on a a more, uh, detailed level at who Jesus is, I want to talk to you about Jesus as a friend. Now, when I think of Jesus as a friend, um, there's a certain song that pops into my head, and it's one of those songs that, um, if you know the song, you th- you hear it and you listen to it, and you hear the chorus one time, and you will sing it for the rest of your life, and you are all going to hate me for it, because you know why? We've got it. Let's go ahead and play that song. I want you guys. This is this is what I think of when I first think of Jesus as my friend. This right here. Come on now, you know it. Sing along. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend. Hey, where's the friend. band? Can we learn this one? He taught me no? how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that he's one who will never Wait leave for. you. Wait for it. Here back. we go. Jesus is a friend of nobody. Oh, all right, you cut it. That's, enough. that's enough. I thought you guys would sing along with me, but no, nothing. Nobody. My favorite line in there is it says, Jesus is like a mounty. He always gets his man. That's great. That's great. You hear that when you're like, what did he just say? But I think of when we think of that phrase, Jesus is my friend, that's what we think of my little buddy he's my little old pal right like they used to have the Jesus is my homeboy t-shirts right the guy can kind of push around and just come to him yeah whatever he's my he's Jesus is my my little buddy and 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 what i would say is that Jesus is your little buddy like a lion can be your pet kitty cat am i right and like it, it it's 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 just an accurate he he is your friend, and what I want to do today is kind of redefine that for us a little bit so we think about it on different terms when you hear that phrase. Um, but, but Jesus is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's not your little buddy. And But, but when I think of Jesus as your friend, what I, what I believe here is that Jesus wants to relate to your person. He wants you to know that he understands you. He wants you to know that he gets you. He wants you to know that he can relate to you on an intimate level. That there is a, a deep relationship that can happen in, when it comes to Jesus. Like he, he wants you to know that, this, that he's not just some far off, distant, faceless guy, but that our relationship with Jesus is, has a very intimate, uh, intimate uh, element to it. It has a very relational element to it and and <clears throat> he wants you to know he, he gets you. And in our lives, you know, there's something that we do uh for different people that when we begin to know them, we get begin to get close to them, we begin to develop a special relationship with them, we give them a nickname, don't we? Is there anybody here that has a nickname? Any nicknames? No? Right? Maybe you have a nickname for other people, maybe nickname people have nicknames for you, but what I would say is there's only we only give people nicknames that we have a special friendship, right? Like we don't nickname people we don't like, do we? Well, we do but we don't tell them right <laughs> we we keep those we keep those secret right but you think of a guy and a girl they start dating and all of a sudden it's not just their name anymore it's sweet cheeks right hey boo boo right you know what I'm saying like there's all these nicknames hey, baby right it describes the nicknames begin to describe they, what they do is a nickname properly describes the relationship, right? It it describes the relationship, the intimacy that's in the relationship. I actually have a friend here at the church named John Lopez, and I, well, I have a nickname for him. I call him J-Lo. Can't tell you where he got that nickname from, right? Sorry, John. But if you see him, you can call him that. You have my permission, right? And Jesus is really no different. And I, I'm joking around calling them nicknames, but there's different names that we use to describe Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Alpha, Omega. But but his actual given name comes in Matthew 1.21, where it says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So his original name, Jesus, the one who's going to save his people from their sins. But then, if you walk down just a couple more verses in Matthew 1.23, Like just two verses later, they give him another name. They give him essentially a nickname or just another thing that we can call him. See, the virgin will become pregnant and she will give birth to a son and they will name him, excuse me, Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Nicknames to describe the relationship. So number one, Jesus, the one who's going to save his people from their sins. But then it goes on to say, he's not just going to be the God who comes and saves his people from his sins and then just bounces out, see you later, got to you, your say, but he is the God, Emmanuel, who will be with us. He is not the far off, distant God. He is a God who is present with his people. And when we look at that, when we think of that, you say, well, what does that mean? What does that, what does that look like for us? Well, John one fourteen says this, the word became flesh and took up residence among us residence among us and we observed his glory and the glory of the one and only son from the father full of grace and when we think of the idea of word which this is another name for jesus the word right I mean, if you were to go back in that that uh, chapter in john it describes him as the one who was from the beginning the god who the one who is god or who is with god and yet is god the one who took place in creating all life the one who sustains all life the light of all men came to earth became flesh, and took up residence among us. Like, I'm bringing this up because I think when we think of Jesus, we only think of big picture Jesus, at least myself, I tend to think of big picture mission, the cross, the miracles, right? The the, the pretty important stuff, right? I mean, that's like, we're pretty thankful for the cross, right? But there's something else. John says here that Jesus took up residence on earth. What does it mean to take up residence. Well I've I've lived in a few different places, right? Mississippi, Georgia, Belize, Texas, and then back back to Texas. And one of the places I lived was in Butler, Georgia. Anybody ever been to Butler, Georgia? A few of us actually have, yeah, a few of us actually have. Um, but if you've been to Butler, what you would know about Butler is it is a place that could not be any more different than Dallas Fort Worth. It could not be like like it is country, right? And you know, you see me. I just scream country, don't I? Like you look at me, you think cowboy boots and horses, right? When I first lived there, I was pure Texan at heart. And but what happened is I would even talk about man. Let me tell you about y'all. Think let me tell you how great Texas is, right? You ever? Yeah, that's we have. Just so you know, people know us for being like that Texans. Okay, let me tell you how great Texas is. Okay, here's another Texan, right? And everybody not from Texas said amen, right? Um, but anyways, as I was living there, I, I, I began to, and something happened over time. As I, as I lived there, I began to learn the culture. I began to learn about how great the freedoms that you have in the country are. If you've lived in the country, you can do anything. You can blow up stuff. You can like, I mean, it's amazing. There's so much fun, like living in the country. Um, but anyways, as, as I lived there, over time, my heart began to take up residence in that space. I begin to experience the place, and after a while, I begin to relate to, I begin to love the people, I begin to love the town, I begin to resonate with the town, I begin to build friendships that I cherish even to this day. And I may have gone there as a pastor to fulfill my mission, but what happened is as I took up residence in that place, I was impacted by it. And my heart grew for that place, and through the shared experience of that city, use that term you know, loosely, as, as my shared experience with that city and those people, I began to understand them. I begin to understand their lives. I begin to understand their way of living. I begin to understand and be able to resonate with some of the difficulties that they walked through that I would not have understood had I never took up residence in that space. And what I think about when I think about Jesus taking up residence here on earth is that I don't think Jesus just came to give us some rules down the cross and then go away. But I believe he came to be with us to experience life as a human so that he would have understanding of the human experience. That he could have an understanding of the things that you walk through in your life. Because if we actually step back and think about it, Jesus actually lived the majority of his life doing something else besides the miracles on the cross. He lived 30 years here on earth before he ever performed a miracle, before he ever got disciples, before he headed towards the cross Simply, he spent the first 30 years of his life simply experiencing human life. They call that the theology of identification, and it's it's pretty interesting. Hebrews 2.17 says this, Therefore, he had to be like his brothers in every way, and that's humans. He had to be like us in every way so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God to make the propitiation for all sins of the people. For since he himself was tested and has suffered, he is able to help those who are tested. That is very good news for us. He became like us in every way so that he could become merciful and faithful to us. He lived life. He was tested and suffered so that he could help you when you suffer. See, we often see Jesus as this big, the Savior, which is right. We often see him as the wonderful God, which is, again, right, but oftentimes we miss the human side of him. And what I would say is many of us as Christians, we understand Jesus as the God who saves, but we miss him as Emmanuel, the God who is with you, the God who walks with you. See, the scriptures say that he lived as a human in every sense so that you, in your human life, so that he could be faithful to you and even merciful to you. Isn't that interesting? And I think this is important because if we think about this, in order to sympathize with someone or in order to empathize with someone on the deepest of levels, on on the deepest of deepest, deepest of levels, we can only really do that or we can only really go to that in the degree that we have experienced that same thing ourselves. You understand what I'm saying? Like we can often, if somebody's walking through something, we can offer our sympathies to them. We can care deeply for them. We can truly love them and try to care for them. But in order to actually feel what they're walking through, in order to actually understand what they're walking through, we can only truly do that to the degree that we've experienced that same thing ourselves. Here's what I mean by that. If you know someone who's walking through the struggle with cancer and you've never experienced that, You can go to them and you can love them, which we should. And you can serve them, which we should. And we should try to do everything for them to let them know that they're cared for and loved and understood. We should do all those things. But the truth of the matter is we we can never truly understand what they're feeling unless we've experienced something like that. Does that make sense? And what I would say is that you're better... If you've experienced something like that, you're better walking through it with someone because you've experienced it on the same level. And let me let me say this to you. If you walk through difficult things in life, and I'm, it's not just cancer, but any arena of life, if you walk through something difficult, which in any humans in here, because if you're human, you have, well, let me tell you this. God can use that suffering. God can use that pain. God can use that difficult experience to change someone else's life through you. So be encouraged in that this morning. And what I would say is that because Jesus came to this earth for those 30 years simply experiencing life, that means that there is nothing in life that you will walk through that Jesus cannot relate to you with on the deepest level. Think about that. That's pretty incredible for our God, right? Like there's nothing you can walk through that he will not understand, but because before he taught, before he was healed, he was living and experiencing life as God in the flesh, to be able to understand you. So I want to give you a few things this morning that that Jesus can understand in your life, that Jesus can get in your life that maybe we think, maybe we don't consider, or maybe we don't think that he can. And, And the first thing I want to give you this morning is that Jesus understands. I want you to know Jesus gets this is relationships. The first thing Jesus understands that you walk through is relationships. Mark 6, 1 through 6 says, He went away from there and came to his hometown and he had been teaching and preaching and going around and doing miracles. He comes to his hometown and the disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things? They're going, how does he know all this? What is this wisdom given to him? And how are these miracles performed by his hands? How does he do all this? Isn't he the carpenter? the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? So they were offended with him. Why were they offended with him? Because they're going, isn't this the same guy who grew up here? Who had brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts and friends? I say all that to say, Jesus can understand your relationships. You know why? Because he, when he lived here on life as a human, he had a family. And you know what family means? Problems. Anybody got family problems? Raise your hand. Just kidding, don't, don't do that. Right? Here's what I know about families. I know a lot of families that pretend to be perfect. I don't know any perfect families. Am I right? Can I get a amen? Alright, right. We all got that crazy uncle, don't we? And again, if you don't have him, guess who he is, right? Guess who's the crazy uncle? Right? We all have the fights that won't go away. The bitterness that's been there over years because we never really talked about the issue. We all have those, we all have that person that we love deeply who keeps making wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision and it's killing us. We all have that person that, that we love who's passed away from the sickness. We all have that person who's who's walking through pain. We all have family, we all have the family experience in Jesus with his brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, mom, dad, he experienced those same things too. And so when you walk through these family struggles, Jesus can truly, truly identify and understand what you're walking through. Let me let me tell you another thing that Jesus can understand. Jesus can understand friendships. Anybody got friends in here? Nobody? Wow, you need to join a community group. <laughs> and it sounds like our community groups are not doing their job, right? Jesus understood relationships, which just as a side note, I thought about this this week and it was cracking me up. Could you imagine like, like knowing Jesus as a kid, like I brag about knowing a guy who had a sister, who had an uncle, whose brother went to high school with me, who plays in major league baseball. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you're like I knew somebody that almost was on American Idol. Really? Well, I went to, went to preschool with them. Right. You know what I'm saying? But could you imagine being like, I used to play tag with Jesus, <laughs> which would be really unfair, right? Jesus, get off the lake. <laughs> walk back over here, right? (laughs) But Jesus had relationships. Jesus had friends. Jesus was also hurt by his friends. You say, well, Jesus was never hurt by his friends like I was. Judas, really? How about Peter, who was in the circle of trust, who was one of the three closest disciples to Jesus as soon as Jesus was arrested, completely forgot that he ever knew him. You got friends like that? Right With friends like that, who needs enemies, right? Jesus understood what it was like to be hurt by his friends. I'm sure he dealt with the struggle not to be bitter towards people who had hurt him, who betrayed him. I'm sure he dealt with not being angry with people who had hurt him. I I believe that Jesus even lost friends who were close to him. I had a friend a few years ago pass away named Zach, and doing his funeral was one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do in my life. But even as I was walking through that, I know that Jesus understood what I was going through and that Jesus could empathize with me. I mean, even think of Lazarus as he, his close friend Lazarus passed away. Jesus comes to the scene and what does he do? He weeps. Why? Because he loved Lazarus. And I would bet, it's not in the Bible, but I would bet there were others that he was close to that he loved that lost their lives, right? I believe Jesus understood that pain. When I think of Jesus in relationships, I also think about Jesus walking through life as a single man for his, those 33 years, how difficult that must be. I mean, they were, people were getting married around like 12 and 13 back in Jesus' time. Could you imagine walking through life just being single and feeling alone in that way for so long? Jesus knows what it's like to walk through life and have friends getting married and not getting married, have friends having children and not having children. He understood looking at that going, man, I wish I could do that, right? Jesus knows what's that. what that's like. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're going, yeah, but he wasn't married. He can't understand my pain. <laughs> what I would say here, Molly, is that, <laughs> is that if you're saying that this morning, the person you're married to is probably in a lot more pain than you are. Am I right? Can I get an amen, Stephen? <laughs> <laughs> I hear the things you people say. You don't think I do. But here's what I would say to that. My response to that would be, what does the Bible describe Jesus and his relationship to the church? Jesus as the bridegroom, the church as his bride. Jesus knows what it's like to be cheated on by his bride. Jesus knows what it's like to be denied by his bride, to be betrayed by his bride, to be let down by his bride, and yet still remain faithful to her. Jesus understands And Jesus living in this life would have understood what it's like to have, live in relationships. And what I want to tell you to encourage you this morning is that as you walk through difficulties in your relationships, you can know that Jesus can understand what you're walking through. And he can relate to what you're walking through, not because he's God, although yes, because he's God, but because he, as God, came as man in the flesh here on earth so that he could walk through and empathize and understand you so that he could be merciful to you so that he could be faithful to you, so he could help you. The second thing I would say this morning is that Jesus understands work life. You ever think about the idea that Jesus had a job? From 12 to 30, he was most likely working as a carpenter. You you ever think about it? Like all the pictures we see of Jesus are what I call German Jesus, which is blonde hair, blue eyes, flowing locks in the wind, right? You see that, ah! You ever think about this? Jesus had split ends. Oh no, Jesus probably had calluses because unlike us, Jesus didn't have a nail gun, wimps, right? Jesus put them nails in himself. Jesus understood what it was like to work hard. He knew what it was like to probably work hard and get paid too little for what he was doing. Jesus understood what it meant to be up early, work late, trying to do his part to provide for the family. How about this? Jesus understood what it was like to deal with upset customers. Could you be in a Could you imagine being the guy that's like Jesus? This rocking chair is just a little bit off. Like, really? You don't think I know how to make stuff? <laughs> Jesus had to deal with taxes, which is coming up, by the way. Sorry to stress you out at church. Jesus knew what it was like to deal with a bad economy. Jesus knew what it was like, even after his job, to not be working and be wondering how you're going to eat the next meal, right? Right? The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus understood the difficult things we walk through in our work life. And as you struggle, when we lose jobs, when you're exhausted because you're working your tail off and you don't feel like you can make ends meet, what I want you to know is that Jesus understands God in the flesh can walk through that with you because he gets it. Again, not because he's God, but because he's God. Because he lived life as a human and he can walk through it with you. He understands God is. Emmanuel, God with us. The third thing I want to tell you this morning, Jesus understands his temptation. Hebrews says that he was tempted in every way. And I don't don't really want to list some things I think Jesus was tempted with. But I do believe that the phrase every way probably means every way, right? And so as we think about that, I think about just the things or the, the struggles that I've had in my life, the temptations that I've dealt with in my life. And you can probably relate to that right the things that he walked through the things that he faced the things that he stayed I mean think about just like the temptation that you dealt with this morning not to call that guy an idiot who cut you off in traffic right am I the only one just me I just drove from the neighborhood and I didn't deal with that right but all of these temptations that you experience today yesterday tomorrow Jesus has experienced something similar think think about this Jesus The the God, the one who made the angel, who would then become Satan, now allowed himself to become human where he would be tempted by that same devil. That's pretty interesting. And yet he didn't run away from it. What he did was he stood up to it. He remained faithful through it so that he could conquer temptation and the devil so that when we are tempted, he can walk us through it. He can walk us through it. What this means is he's able to understand it and he can walk through it with you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has overcome you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. This is great for us because what this means is because Jesus understands he can walk through it with us, he can help us stand up to it so that you don't have to be a slave to that sin that you don't have to be controlled by that sin. Like, I know what it feels like, and I'm sure you do too, to, to be walking and struggling and dealing with some kind of sin and being like, I just can't beat this. You know what? Because of Jesus' experience standing up to sin, defeating sin, you can. And he can walk through it with you. Number four, Jesus understands pain. Anybody ever been in pain? In 2010, I had to have back surgery, and I'm kind of a wimp anyways, but what I will say is having back pain was the worst. Like you don't sleep all night, you're in pain all day long, and literally I'd started a new job as a pastor at a church, and I would go in late and leave early just to go lay down on the floor because I was in so much pain. Like they thought I was worthless. <laughs> They're like, who is this guy? Matter of fact, a funny story. My first week there, there's this really mean guy there and uh, I had to prove myself as a pastor that you, you know, you do stuff. And so with two herniated discs, he made me carry shingles up and down a uh, ladder all day to help roof a house. So thank you, Mr. Ray, wherever you are. Uh, but anyways, that back pain was like one of the worst, like literally Katie and I were dating at the time and we would go out on dates and come home Early and I'm like she's gonna break up with me because I'm like she she's gonna think this guy's worthless. Like I would walk. This is how I walked. I would get grocery carts in stores and walk like this. And if you think I'm exaggerating, ask Katie. I am not. It was awful, right? As far as like physical pain, it was the worst thing I've ever experienced. And I, I and maybe there's there's probably people in here who've experienced much worse than that. But what I would say to you is that Jesus understands that pain. And I don't. I don't want to minimize your physical pain. I don't want to minimize your ailments. But I would say Jesus understands what you walk through. He, Isaiah fifty-three three says he was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of suffering, who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised, and that last that last phrase hurts me. We didn't value him. The physical pain that he endured in the crucifixion is really not a pain that we will ever understand. Like that, the the degree of that pain, I'm not going to go through all the details because it's gory and unnecessary, but as you look at the crucifixion, you see the things that he walked through, you go, man, he can understand our pain. He can understand what that feels like. And I, I can't prove this, but I would bet that Jesus even got sick once or twice. Had that cold, had that flu, had that cough. I think Jesus can understand our physical pain, but I don't think he just understands our physical pain. I believe he understands our emotional pain. Isaiah 53.3 said he was despised and rejected by men. I believe, understand, I believe Jesus understood what loneliness was. If you're lonely today, you feel alone. You feel like no one cares. I believe Jesus understood what that was like. I believe Jesus understands what depression was like think about this. Jesus was in perfect communion with the Trinity. God, the father, God, the Holy spirit, God, the son, perfect communion, perfect relationship. He understood. And he left that came to earth. Imagine being in perfect relationship, perfect community your whole life. And then for the first time ever experiencing being completely alone. Jesus understands what you feel like when you feel alone, when you feel depressed, when you feel despised, when you feel rejected. Jesus can understand. He can walk through that with you because, not just because he was God, but because he, God in the flesh, came here on earth. He's able to relate to you, empathize with you walk through it with you in your need. And, and what I would say is oftentimes when we struggle, what we do is we turn away from God because we see him as the angry God up there, not Emmanuel, God with us. And so what I would encourage you is when, if you feel those things, if you're walking through those things, not to run away from your God, but run to your God. Hebrews 4 says this, 4, 14 and 15. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has Come to the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to the confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tested in every way as we are yet without sin. What all these things are pointing to is that Jesus, the God who is with us, who experienced life, now when you deal with pain, family issues, relationship issues, sin issues, health issues, work issues, loneliness, depression, he is the God, which is amazing that we have a God who would do this, he is the God who because of his humanity and shared experience can be merciful to you, can be faithful to you, because he was tested, he can help you when you suffer, he can help you walk through it and come out the other side knowing this how then do we approach our god hebrews 4 16 therefore let us approach the throne of grace with boldness i love that with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the proper time that last blank there on your notes How do we then respond to all these things? Jesus as human, Jesus as the one who can empathize, our great high priest. How then do we respond in our weakness? How do we then respond when we are struggling with relationships, with difficult circumstances, with work life? How do we respond? We go to him boldly. See, there's a difference in knowing Jesus as the God who just is this great God up in the sky and knowing him as Emmanuel, the God who is with you. There's a big difference between the two. This last week, um, our son Gideon, he's kind of getting to this place where he's a little bit afraid of the dark. Anybody been there? Anybody still there? Yeah, me too. Right. And so what we've done is we, he has this little light and we put a little stool next to the light so he can crawl up on the stool and turn the light on him by himself so he can empower him, right? Make him feel he can do it, right? Well, this last week he came to me and it was dark outside, dark in his room. And he walks up and he says, comes up and says, Daddy, can you come to me with my room? it's dark daddy come to my room it's dark I said sure buddy I'll walk with you And so literally all I did was just my presence I walked with him to his room we walked to his room and because I was with him he felt strong enough he felt powerful enough he felt like he could do it he walked in his room he climbs up those steps turns that light on all by himself and then he forgot I was even there he played and played and played What did he want? He wanted his daddy to be with him. Why? Because he knew my presence, the dad who was with him, would make all the difference. He understood, hey, it's dark. It's dark, I'm scared. He knew his daddy understood. And I don't know if he's deep enough yet to think my daddy understands what it's like to be scared. But he knew that I understood that he was scared. He knew that I understood what the fear was in that dark room for him. And he believed that if I can bring daddy with me, Then my daddy can make the difference. If I can't get that light on, I know who can. My daddy can. And so when he came to me, he approached me not with fear, not with hesitation, not with, Daddy, do you think you could? Which it may be kind of sort of. He said, Daddy, come with me to my room. He approached his dad with boldness. He approached his dad with confidence. He approached his dad with belief that my presence alone, his dad who's with him, walking to his room, would make all the difference in the world just by being with him. And when, I, when you think of that phrase, Jesus, a friend of mine, I don't want you to hear that song playing in your head anymore, although it's going to be impossible, right? But I want you to think of him as Emmanuel, the God who is with you, a God who walks with you, a God who understands the things that you go through the God who can empathize with you in your weakness, the God who can empathize with you, with you in your struggles and your relationships and your work. I want you to see him as the God who, because of his humanity and experienced life on earth, that he can walk with you through the storms of life because he truly, truly understands. And knowing that because he understands, because he is God, his presence, Emmanuel, the God who is with us, Will make all of the difference in the world for your life and with that I want you to approach him boldly today I don't know what you're walking through I don't know what you're going through I don't I don't know what the struggles are if you even have them, right but if you do I want you to know that you can go to your God boldly and he'll say I'll walk with you through the dark let's do this and that his presence alone will make all of the difference And when you get there and you can't turn on the light, he can do it for you because he's God in the flesh. Amen. Let's stand together, River Church. I'm going to pray, and we're going to worship our God this morning because he's God who is with us. And if you need anything from God today, cry out to him. Approach him. Boldly God, I love you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're the God, not just the, not the far away God, the faceless God, the unknown God, but you are the God who walks with us, the God who knows our struggles, the God who knows our pain. You say, I've experienced that myself, and I chose to do it so that I could walk with you, so I could be merciful to you, so I could help you in your time of need, so I could be faithful to you, so I could help you resist temptation, Jesus. Thank you for that. And if there's any of us in here that are walking through that today, God, I pray that they would approach you boldly because they know their God can make the difference, because they know their God can change the circumstance, because they know their God will walk with them, and that changes everything. It's in Jesus Christ's name. We pray.